0: So the question I'd like to start with is if the truth were true? It seems in the different religious traditions we can hear different message about the truth in some traditions they speak about God being the ultimate truth but do the people who believe in God really hear what it is said, in a sense that it will have some impact on their way of seeing the life, on their way of behaving, on their way of expectation, could they really hear, or could we, or for some of us who may be Christian or, or believing in God, can we hear what is the truth of that, if all is it is the truth. so we will rather ponder in the Buddhist tradition what would it imply for us if the truth were true if we can really hear what it is said but let's start a little bit earlier in an inquiry. so if we observe our way of behaving and the way of behaving of all other sentient beings we may see that there is some common um, attitude something that we all share being ourselves a human being quite complex or even much smaller animals that all seem to be motivated by the same thing all the different beings do not want any type of suffering so what whatever happened if it may bring some kind of suffering, immediately we'll move away, we try to get rid of that. And that may be very deep suffering, or that may be even very small discomfort, you know, we are sitting there on our pillow and suddenly you know, something is not not so good, so we change a little bit and then again a little bit. Maybe on our pillow we don't move so much because tradition sometimes says don't move so maybe we keep it you know still there while when we are seated at the table then at this time there is no tradition of not moving so while well we are seated there and then maybe something is just not so comfortable so if we would observe ourselves we'll see that constantly we're just adjusting adjusting just to avoid some kind of discomfort and to get to some more comfortable place so in all our life, we can see that we are moved by that. We are not deciding that, I want more comfort, I want to avoid that. We are just so much used to it, that we just keep on changing, changing. So even the animals are the same, you can see a cat is somewhere and then suddenly there is some noise or somebody comes and just running, and just lie down some other place. So we are all moved by the same attitude wanting more things to get more pleasure and not wanting the most or the smallest discomfort so we keep on organizing our life in this way how can i get more more of this or more of that whatever this or that may be for maybe slightly different for each one of us So we want more and more, more pleasure, more sense pleasure, more objects, more friends, less problems, less difficulties, less suffering. So we have been practicing that for many years. Yet it seems somehow it doesn't work. If it really did work, why would we be here? We would not need to come to a retreat. You know. If we'll be working, we can manage of getting something, getting rid of something, so we just agree, we get this sense of fullness, of completeness from that attitude. then no need to come and sit quietly in, in silence for a week. Mm-hmm. So if something doesn't work. We have tried. And try again. So another attitude could be, well, we give up. You know. so maybe, maybe there is nothing to find. So we just give up. You know. Maybe some like some deeply depressed people. Maybe I don't know what is their deepest motivation. Yet somewhere we know that there may be something other than just this manipulation of our daily lives. Hindu teacher, a Hindu teacher who passed away a few years ago said well if we observe this constant wanting, wanting even when we see manifestly that it does not work because we want something and sometimes we get it not that we never get it, we get it then we're happy for a little while, then we are not happy anymore yet we again bring another wanting we get it and then that does not solve our problem so the fact that we keep on wanting, he says that show that we know somewhere that there is some kind of deep completeness that is something that we can experience is that something that is not separate from ourselves otherwise we will not keep on trying, trying so maybe this uh, method we are using this technique of getting more and getting rid doesn't work So maybe we have to change something. So we may come to a retreat and have the same time of same type of attitude. So I come to a retreat to get this, to get that but not this. So we just take exactly the same attitude. We just change of object. Usually it's not the same that we're getting in a retreat that we are getting in the city or, or in the supermarket but we just change of our object but we keep we keep the same attitude so that's fine it's just another happening you know we make all that spirituality but doesn't change much so is it not that in our meditation in our retreat something has to change not of the object that we are seeking but of the attitude which may make our practice something that we make our spiritual. And that's very important because often in our practice we can see how we are trying to manipulate the situation. We are exactly keeping on the same habit, not getting satisfaction. So, it's important to see and check our motivation when we come to a retreat. What do we expect? What do I expect from this retreat? Is my expectation a kind of a dream? Or is it really grounded into my present situation? If I want to become a saint or I want to become Milarepa within a week. It's difficult. it took him a long time much more than a week and he was high in the mountain of Tibet mm-hmm. so if our expectation is such that is not at all grounded into the reality then of course we are bound to face frustration and to waste our time so if we come with the motivation to get into some um, spacious mind very happy, quiet, you know, spacing out, that may be fine, well we'll go back uh, home and get some more distraction and that will be gone. There's another something that we're getting. Mm -hmm. Okay, Quietness is something we don't get outside such a setup. So I think it's important to know what really we are looking for in our practice. Now, it may be that I come to practice to develop love and kindness for all sentient beings which is obviously a beautiful motivation while it has yet to be grounded into where I am now. So, I think that's an important aspect of our practice to see if we are just transferring the same attitude that we have in our daily life, worldly attitude, is that's the attitude that we have in our worldly life and then if we come and just are perpetuating this way of behaving which does not work so much So what is usually a Buddhist motivation to come to retreat? Well, it may be expressed in so many ways one way said that to study Buddhism is to study oneself. So, not the space in front of oneself, but oneself. oneself self in all its different aspects doesn't mean to study oneself that one would get more concepts. You know, I am, oh, now I understand I am this and I am that, I am kind of, I'm this type and not that type. Not, not this kind of understanding of not this type of knowing oneself knowing oneself in this meditative sense means that we know ourselves without the help of any links between the knower and what is known no need of any concept images or anything of the like, to know oneself is a direct experiencing of oneself, which does not go through images, concepts. So we may also express it in being being oneself. Again, being oneself in an essential sense, because if now I am I am angry, you know, so I say, okay, and I am angry. I am an angry type, and one get again to some kind of concept I am sad I am sleepy to know oneself in this sense is a, is a deeper way of knowing oneself beyond the sleepiness, the anger or whatever may just appear and pass away so the essence of our nature does not change in every moment of our experience so in our practice it is not to cling to all the different aspects which are manifested anger, desire, sleepiness, quietness, happiness not to cling to that ah, that's, that's me so when anger arises so we may say no I don't want that bringing back the attitude that we have in daily life I don't want that so if anger is painful. It is because I'm identifying with anger. So when I want to reject that I am just splitting myself apart and I'm just getting into a conflict. So where this completeness that I may wish for if suddenly some aspect is arising in my experience to which I am identifying and then I want to reject that a part of myself. Bring more and more Um, fragmentation in my own experience so that's quite important in our practice this aspect if I don't identify myself with anger and so it's no problem so I'm not going to push it away but if I identify myself with that then it may be painful therefore I want to push it away but because I'm identifying with that I'm just splitting myself apart bringing more problems more fragmentation so meditation doesn't deal with with having doesn't deal with doing it's just being being in the essential sense at every moment so since we are we don't need to do our being. There's not much to do. How are we going to make ourselves be? Do you have some clues? You know? So, if nothing that we can reach, you know, or uh, now I, I start to be, you know? we are, since sometimes. So, this way of <laughs> of practising the meditation or, or the Buddhist path to know the true nature of oneself and the world in which we are living so there has been uh, the traditional way so the traditional way that other Buddha is supposed to have uh, taught it so the Buddha explain and described the path the path of meditation, the path to follow this path including the practice of morality, concentration and wisdom. So we practice that and slowly getting a quieter mind, a clearer mind, understanding more and more the truth of ourselves and the truth about the world in which we are living. So this truth will lead us to see very clearly that everything is changing constantly changing in our experience, within ourselves and outside then we see that nothing can actually bring us some uh, satisfaction because it just won't last, it won't last. So there's no situation, no object, nothing that we can really uh, hang on to because it's just going to go away. So no expectation to find completeness or true happiness in this world or in the inner experience then seeing that everything changes change uh, very fast we see that there is no true existence in this world and in ourselves and seeing that those three characteristics then the mind see that there is nothing that it can cling to because it changes, it changes, it just disappears so the mind just drops clinging and then when the mind drops clinging according to the text then the mind is experiencing ultimate freedom. So, <clears throat> that's the traditional way. And practice starting from seeing the world very concrete and now very self-existing and maybe getting finally to some conclusion that uh, that was completely wrong. Bit by bit, step by step. You know. so in the Dzogchen tradition it is not exactly done like that. In the Dzogchen tradition the master try to listen to the truth and to suppose that maybe the truth is true. So what do the text about ultimate truth, what do they say in the Buddhist tradition? Well, in the Prajnaparamita text, which are the texts explaining the ultimate truth, it is said that in emptiness there is no form, no sensation, no perception, no discrimination, no consciousness. There is no eye, no ear, no nose and so on. There is no knowledge of nirvana. There is no obtaining of nirvana and there is no non obtaining of nirvana and so on. So, what does it mean then, if you really listen to that deeply? There is no nirvana, no obtaining of nirvana, no sound, no form. So can we really listen to that? what does it mean now? So, what are we going to practice? So, that's what the doctrine master did. They listened to the truth and they say, okay, then are we going to pay attention to each sound, each sensation, like if we were truly existing? Well, they say, no, the truth said, no sound, no form, no nose, no ear, no nirvana, no obtain uh, of nirvana so starting from that point of view then they try to develop the practice so it is the reverse from the traditional attitude where one would just practice slowly and Ultimately things that one cannot grasp because those things do not exist really and they are changing so fast Here in the doctrine tradition say no If nothing exists, so What about our practice? So they will try to take that in account As Dilgo Kiense once put it, he said those people who believe that samsara is something to be gotten rid of and nirvana something to attain, they are contradicting the truth. So there is nothing to get rid of and nothing to attain. So can we start our practice from here? maybe something is just new from our daily and worldly attitude. If we keep that in mind maybe something is changing. So of course it is easy to say, you know, no sound, no form, no eyes, and many people think that for for years, you know, in many monasteries, in every language, you well yet one has to see, in a very practical manner, what to do with that. If, in the Dzogchen tradition, this truth is expressed in a in a special way. They say that everything is pure, from the very beginning. So it is interesting, they don't use empty, they use pure. So, it may have a sense that it also refers to the subject, subjective way of seeing the phenomenon. So if everything is pure, from the origin, pure in the sense that nothing has true existence, if nothing has true existence nothing has the power to bind us. No element, no experience, no emotions have the power to bind us. It cannot bind our ultimate freedom. So that's fine. Well if nothing can hinder our ultimate freedom well, nothing can help it also. So nothing can be an obstacle in our practice and nothing can be helpful in our practice. So what to do? So there is an attitude that, with which one may enter in one's practice, which is mm, quite subtle, which is not, of course, if we said, okay, that being the situation we stop to practice and we go back to our ordinary experiences, it doesn't work because we have tried that very long time. So the conclusion is, we cannot just get up and take the first train or your car to go back to whatever because that does not work either so there is a way of practicing that one is not attached to the practice as seeing as a technique or the mean to some end the practice is not a mean to some end so the a deep way to feel that is that the practice is useless. But only if you can practice and sing this uselessness, then the practice is freedom itself. You are not practicing for some later end, the practice itself is freedom. Freedom if you don't subject it to any result. If your practice is subjected to any result then your practice is not freedom. So when I say, if you see the practice as being useless it's a very subtle way of practicing not subjecting it to any result, to any condition. Then you don't need to wait for some result, or for some kind of progress. In Tibet, the abduction tradition was kept secret and was taught usually in small group and after quite a long time of uh, different trainings. And it was, I think, it was uh, taught uh, in secrecy because of that aspect. The fear of the teacher was that the students will get up and go away and just do any kind of things. Because you say, well, nothing does exist, so we can do whatever. I don't know if one would trust so much such a statement and just believe that it does work, you know. But it's very subtle and I think that's quite important to see. Here the line is very subtle. Can one practice? Like if the practice is or were useless. So it is free, already at every moment of our practice yet, then we can do prostration, we can do any kind of practice offering of mandala, uh, reciting of mantra, or whatever if we do that with this sense that is not in order to get something to uh, develop or to train oneself, but it's already it's useless and in the sense is free already. then, it's a way of expressing this freedom, experiencing this freedom so that's why, in the Dracian tradition, the view is explained first, not the past. Tradition in Buddhism one explains the past and usually one does not explain the conclusion fearing that the people may make concept about the conclusion and not experiencing it. In Burma, in Burmese tradition, they say it's not good to study too much in the Abhidharma and the text because the meditators will uh, make too much concept about what they should experience, and therefore not really experience it, but just being concept or images? Now here, in the Russian tradition a different. First, the view is explained that it can influence the way one practices completely. So that was the first traditional attitude is called a, a causal path while in the Dzogchen tradition it is called a non-causal path because there is no cause for no fruit and sometimes it is called or quite often the highest path and whatever all those names that uh, the Dzogchen Pa may put to their own practice or to their own technique I think it's maybe better not to see that as a value uh, statement rather than the most radical way to take the consequence of the teaching of the Truth. There is no bargaining with that. If the Truth is true, then there is no nose, no ear, no sound, no Nirvana, no samsara. So let's practice from there. So what it will amount to practically to, to enter in the practice we can't just keep on convincing ourselves you know, nothing exists, no know and so on that will be just bringing other concepts and that will be dreaming about some truth, not experiencing it really. So to know that truth deeply, we have to know our mind and the nature of our mind. And for that the practice will be the practice of simplicity, which culminates when when practice it really, in non meditation. so for that we'll get down to some practical matters we'll take a comfortable position i just tell you a very short story before we start. Um, a friend of mine, a lady, she went to see Dujang Rinpoche when he was in Darjeeling. Uh, she was quite old, and she came and she <coughs> met Dudjom Rinpoche, the great Nyingma teacher, the Drukgyalpa and she said, "Well, what is meditation?" She had met the brother of the Dalai Lama to some kind of party very important party, so she thought that's good to know about Tibetan Buddhism, so she went to see Siddhu and So he was like the Tibetan R, you know, in his kind of bed, which is just a bench and a Tibetan carpet on it. And so she asked him, what is meditation? So he just lied down like that and said, that is meditation. So he was showing clearly the attitude of the mind, which is not a mind which is seeking to grasp at something and to cultivate some experience but the mind which stays relaxed with whatever experience is arising so, about our, our positions well, whatever position you may feel comfortable then you just take that and people in beautiful positions and uh, so, now there are different information about to keep the eyes open or closed or, or whatsoever and I think that one may also adjust according to a different situation lately, uh, yes in England was the same as it was in France but the sky was blue and beautiful so it is a time if one would be outside to keep the eyes open and to feel the spaciousness uh, helped at this time by a very vast uh, sky and uh, sight while in a meditation hall you can do as you like I usually don't like to keep my eyes open in front of other students or looking at me because I feel quite disturbed by that, you know. So you keep the eyes open or closed as you feel like and adjust uh, according to the situation if you are outside or, or, or not, or if you are seated at the back of the hall or in the front, you know. So just relax and put your hand either you feel like being in a comfortable position. So tomorrow I'll give some more practical details, but uh, I like to explore tonight, just in a m- more simple way as a matter of explanation, maybe not so much as a matter of practice So then just trying to be with what is there so, if your mind is quiet, to be with the quietness, if the mind is agitated, to be with the agitation, and not falling into the trap of wanting to manipulate whatever is happening. So, just exploring what it means to be. So, we are not doing any meditation, but just our being. nothing to change, nothing to improve and nothing to keep. So no failure, no success. So in Dzogchen <coughs> first the view is explained so that <coughs> all the phenomena are pure from the beginning So the mind is empty by nature Yet it knows everything, it has the quality of knowing So it is this paradox that we will explore in our meditation that although the mind is empty by nature it knows and experiences what's arising So if we would understand that completely and experience it then the view will just be a practice in our meditation natural way. Naturally that would come in our practice and that will just uh, rest in that view and that would also naturally appear in our behavior, in our actions. Well, since it's not the case for all of us all the time, then uh, we'll still keeping that in mind, this flavor of deduction of nothing to reach nothing to change, Then exploring just resting in our present experience, just resting at every instant in what's appearing, resting in that, not changing, not improving. And that is already uh, a kind of freedom when we don't need to accomplish anything, to change anything. So when if we feel that we are trying something, then we may just be aware of uh, what for. I am trying to accomplish something. So then relax again. It's a very good sign if one can see tension within uh, one's own body or even in the mind. Then usually that we are trying to reach somewhere. And just relax and let be with what's happening. so <coughs> to start the practice usually we can do uh, some um, breathing exercise just to quieten the mind and make it more uh, open to our practice and I will just explain that that during the uh, session of meditation you can start this way so it's usually taught like one would uh, see three channels within uh, our own uh, body just Uh, one white one starting from here and just going along the spine just below the navel very very small white one then on the the right is a red one going uh, also coming to the nose going there right down and they are meeting below the navel and in the center there is a blue one very fine coming there and going out here so we'll Uh, breathe in first you can take this uh, finger there and you will breathe in um, letting the white channel on the left side being open and you can imagine that the air, feel the air going all the way down and then you would move your finger and put it this way to close the left now field and open the right one so that the uh, air can come out. So you can do that three times And when you are blowing out the air you can imagine when it's going uh, out from the uh, red nostril from the right one that some uh, air is going out on a reddish color and getting all the uh, um, obscuration out all the the, mm, desire going out then you do the same on the other side When the air goes out, you imagine that all the anger is going out in white uh, cloud form. So you do that three times.